Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bota Worldviews and Culture, um, Albanian culture with me, your host, Leonita. And today I have a very special guest. I'm super excited about this guest because she is the brow queen of New York, <laughs> the brow expert of New York City. So, Sania Vucetai, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for uh, sitting down with me today much for reaching out i appreciate it oh my god thank you for uh, you know taking the opportunity taking time out of your day to meet with me i'm so excited to talk to you and when you come to new york of course you'll come visit <laughs> oh my god yes oh my god i would love to you don't know how much i'm obsessed with brows you live in michigan right yeah mm-hmm. yeah we sell our pencils in two places in michigan Okay, where? Mandy Studio and somewhere else. I forgot the other one. An Albanian girl opened it up. Susie, do you know the name? Mandy Rose. And there's another Albanian girl that actually ventured out, opened up her own little place. So she buys them as well wholesale. So it's really nice. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to have to get into that and check them out. Whenever I run out, you can just go down there and just grab them. And I'll send them to you whenever you run out. But they last forever. And I'll tell you. That's awesome. Are you in your studio where you work? This is... The place and it has like three sections my daughters work on this section with my niece and then there's the men's area because men are big on bra grooming i know it's some places not so much in the city and it's not those arches it's just natural straight clean and natural and then the other section over there is where i usually work but i also have a balcony here so since the pandemic the balcony really helps you know to reassure them when the weather was nice gotta make things work right <laughs> you got to you got to where is your location at it's in Chelsea. It's downtown Manhattan. I also live four blocks away. So I like it's a five minute walk, but it's in a really um, nice area. Have you ever been to a city? To I have. It's been a while. I have some family that live in yeah. like New York area, but more like up in the suburb. Yeah, this is like the cooler, hip place of New York City. I mean, it's all the young people that live around here. I've lived here for 20 years. So I moved here when it was older and then it got young and fun. And then the pandemic hit. So a lot of people left the city. But it's still good. That's why the girls coming and joining my team has been great because the young girls love the fact that they're with us. So it's been really nice. Yeah. I can't wait to get more into talking about how you came to be where you are. Like I said, you are the brow queen of New York and your brand and what you've created is so great to see. You chose brows to be your thing. And I want to get into that a little bit too of how you got into the brow and beauty industry and why that was something that you really gravitated towards. But before we get into that, I really want to know like a little bit about your background, like where you're from originally, how you came to New York and all of that. My mom and dad are from Boya in Albania. And um, my dad escaped during the communist uh, regime, like so many. So he came to America with my mom to give us a better life. They had a choice between Australia and America. They worked really hard. They did whatever they had to. My dad worked doorman. My mom scrubbed bathrooms, whatever it did to give us education. I have two brothers, two sisters, and my dad was always about school. He was deprived of it. He was always about it. So he always pushed us into it. Although I never cared for school much, I was always more into beauty. And my dad would get a little frustrated, but he was really supportive because he understood that not everyone's built the same. I got married at 18, you know, the Albanian thing where we were introduced through families. And I do love those traditions. You know, I know that we've moved forward from that. 
but back then it worked and my husband's been so amazing. We've been married 32 years. I have four children, two grandchildren and lived in work my whole life. So that's where I came to where I am. I was a stay-at-home mom until I was um, 31, believe it or not. So this is where I tell people it's never too late to start a career. And until I was 31, I had my kids, had my first and 19, I had sons, two daughters. And um, at 31, you know, I was obsessed with brows. I fell down when I was four years old and I had a scar through my brow. And my sisters used to make fun of me all the time because it felt like there was a cut through my brow. And I, you know, I would hide it with pictures. And when I was about 21 years old, I stood in the mirror and I was determined to figure out how to fix this brow. And once I took a pencil and I kind of tweezed a little bit, I figured out the science, started torturing my family with it. Like, I know how to do your brows. Can I do them? <laughs> some would let me, some wouldn't. Then I wind up being, you know, I'd go to parties and they'd be like, you can't drink because you have to do our brows. There's a line waiting. And sure enough, I started getting better and better. And, you know, practice makes perfect. And here I am today. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so awesome. So you saw yourself, you're like, I want to fix this thing that I have on my brow. And you just started practicing and practicing and getting better at it. And then, you know, people were like, hey, do my brows too. Like you're doing a really good job. When I first did my brows and I figured out that I could make them even, what I felt like was something I wanted to reflect onto other people. Because I think a lot of people don't realize the importance and now they do, thankfully. But I walked out of the bathroom and immediately my sister's like, wait, what happened? We can't torture you anymore. And <laughs> so it's really the fun thing, but it's also so important. I think when you look good, you feel good. That's the way I see it. If there is one thing that I always choose, like in my makeup routine, I'm like, as long as my brows look good, I'm good. <laughs> I, I Brows first, then mascara and then lipstick. Like if I got those, yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah, that's my motto. And you know, when I first started at Bergdorf Goodman, the trend here in America was really thin brows. And they gave me a pair of tweezers and getting these women of America, you know, our background, our culture, being Albanian, full brows getting them to grow them out. That's when the editors started to approach me. Why full brows and why this and why? And I feel like I kind of educated this country in particular about full brows. So I feel really good about that. Now, when I walk around, even if the brows aren't right, I see full brows, it warms my heart because I feel like, okay, I help with that. <laughs> so when was that first moment where you worked with one of those uh, editors or like when you started working into that? I started off on a bet with my husband in some kind of job, customer service at furniture store, I flipped through a magazine and I saw that there was a six month waiting list for brows waxing. And I called my husband, I'm like, I'm gonna go to beauty school, even though I had the four kids, I didn't give up my job, I took night school. While I was in class, my teachers were like, you can never make it on just brows, learn the facials. And I'm like, nope, I wanna do brows. I started working part-time at a salon and all of a sudden I started at Bergdorf Goodman. And Within a week that I started working there, people would walk around. They had me work out in the open and that wasn't a thing. It was always closed up. It was something that was like shameful. So they would walk by and it was like a catch 22. Getting them to sit in my seat was hard. But then once people walk by and see the brows, they're like, wait, what are you doing? Why thick? They'd like the shape. And then one editor within two weeks, I'd say that I work there, they would approach me and they gave me a really great write up. And that's where it started. It was like one trickled and then the importance of brows and I feel very blessed that I've been over a hundred of the top publications in this country. So all over the world, actually. And I feel very, very grateful. I don't believe in paying for press. I feel like when people reach out to me, it's because they believe in you. 
So it's been organic. And that has made me so happy that people believed in me. So I think that I wouldn't have made it without the support of them, without the support of the Albanian community too. I just want to thank the Albanians out there because they've been so wonderfully supportive. And honestly, it warms my heart. I'm a big advocate of being Albanian and wanting to see Albanians succeed because I think that we have an amazing culture. We have amazing personalities. I am the number one advocate. Like I brag to my clients about being Albanian. If they know about them, I kind of brag about them more. If they don't know about them, I educate them about our traditions and how we've come about and how hardworking the kids are and how amazing. And, you know, we have a lot of supporters out there. So I always tell my Albanian younger people, you have to push yourself because you're in the right place, the right time. I love that. Yeah, I think that's so true. Our community is pretty big here in America, especially like New York and Michigan. It's there's a lot of us here. So we understand each other. And I think supporting each other and all these different things that we're doing, because we're making a really big name for our Albanians, like a good name, not like a negative connotation that you've always seen, like on TV or movies. We want to show that Albanians are actually good people and have a good work ethic and you know we care about each other like i think that's so important too sometimes i think that albanians are their own worst enemy because we tend to put ourselves down more so than people do because anytime i say that i'm albanian i mean people's faces their reactions they really do appreciate us more than we even know so keep going go for those interviews push yourself because we do have a good reputation here in the us i mean i can't speak about some places in europe i feel like Hopefully, you know, people work harder and they really get to this point. But here in the United States, we're just really great reputation and keep pushing yourselves forward. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like there was a pivotal moment where you were thinking to yourself, okay, we're working in the beauty industry, you're working on the brows. Um, people are starting to come to you more often. Was there a moment where like, okay, I need to take this, what I've learned and make my own thing, make my own business, make my own brand. It's funny you say that. So when I was pregnant with my fourth child and my husband was the only one working and you know how every husband complains about paying the bills, it's hard. And I look at him and I go, I should just open up a brow salon, a little booth in the mall and charge like $20 per person. And this was when eyebrows were not even a conversation and he just chuckled. He's like, go for it. I always tuck that away. And when I started Bergdorf, from the moment I got my license, my thing was I need to have my own place. But when I started at Bergdorf, I worked for a woman who I almost want to send her flowers. She was really tough. And when I got my first write up there, I remember her looking at me and saying, uh, you didn't get my permission to get this write up. Instead of taking it as a positive, she got a little mad, you know? So I was like, she's going to hold me back from growing. And that was the push. And I always think that the universe pushes you in a certain way. So take that and run with it. So from that moment, I was like, okay, I need to do my own thing and start taking down names. And when I found the right place, I felt like the universe, when you follow it, it helps you. My instincts are always pretty, pretty on point. I feel like that's important to listen to those feelings. But like as an Albanian, you know, woman or like a special Albanian mom, People are like, well, what do you think you're trying to do? Like, who are you? You know, why don't you stay home? Like, why are you trying to build something? I mean, it's gotten better. And I mean, in your time, it was probably more difficult than now to do that. Like, how did you feel? Did you feel negative feedback from that? Or was it very positive? 
it's funny because even though I was told I'd never make it, whether it was the teachers or people thought I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? I just trusted my instincts. I didn't listen to anyone. I had the support of my husband and I just moved forward. I didn't ask anybody. And I think when people start to take other opinions, it holds you back. And I think that you need to find, and this is where I really tell people, find one little thing that you're good at. One, it's better to stick to one thing, one thing that's missing, and you just go for it. You don't compare. I've never looked at any other brow person. I've never looked at what anyone else is doing. I've always stayed in my lane and I've always concentrated on being honest and working with what I have, what I know, and just being better with myself. I've never tried to copy or never worried. And I would suggest that to anyone, if you want to figure out something, it's never too late to start your career. It's never too late to do something you love. But I think that if you don't do what you love, you're going to regret that later. So my advice to people is don't be afraid to take chances. It wasn't easy for me with four kids leaving a very well-established job at Bergdorf Goodman and starting my own thing. People thought I was insane. They were like, wait, but you're doing great here, but I could do better. And I know that I have more to do and I want to get my own product line. I want to do things. And it was scary, but at the same time, I was like, okay, what is my net there? If God forbid it doesn't work, you can always go work in another salon. And I think people are so afraid to make a move because they're afraid of the outcome, but there's always work and there's always something else you can do. Take risks because you live once and you never know how far you can go. Yes. That's true. I'm always like asking myself those questions. Okay. Should I, because I'm always the kind of person that's kind of cautious, a little bit afraid because, you know, those things come up where you're like, well, what's going to happen if it doesn't work or what's going to happen here? But to take that chance. You learn and you grow and you always have a safety net because we're in America and we're so blessed to be here where there's a lot of opportunity. And if one thing doesn't work, you just go to the next and everything is a growing curve. So I was just never afraid, but also I'm the type of person where if I want to buy property, I don't overthink it. And I think that sometimes we're our own demons where you overthink things. If your instincts are strong and they're telling you do something, try it. There's a reason for it. And I think that's what I was talking about signs. Trust your intuition because usually it's right. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> So we kind of got into how you came and started your business. You were a mom, but you were like, I, I need to do this. I need to step forward. You started creating, you got your own salon and started there. And then you started getting that clientele in. And who was your like first like big client that you felt like, okay, this was my top one. Was there um, one? Yeah. I you mean, know, I know I'm you so worked with so many. Well, the thing is, I'm not good with faces. I'm not good with names. I've had celebrities sit in my chair and I didn't even know who they were. You know, when, when they couldn't fish, like when they don't have makeup and stuff, you don't recognize them. So the funny thing is at that time, Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg, I think a lot of people know him. His wife was my client. She's been coming in and she's like, oh, you must come watch my daughter ride horses. And I'm like, oh my God, who is this woman? Also, Kathy Lee, come around. I really didn't watch talk shows. Like, I got to say, you know, with the four kids, I was so out of the loop. Even when I applied to Bergdorf Goodman, this was years ago, embarrassing enough, I didn't even know what store this was. When I called up my sister, I was like, I have an interview at Bergdorf. She's like, they'll never hire you. They're like so upscale. And I'm like, yeah, gee, thanks for the confidence. But I'm not the type of person that lets anything intimidate me because at the end of the day, we're all people. I appreciate my everyday clients 
more so than I appreciate, let's say, a celebrity that uses you in the moment and then drops you whenever they want. I'd rather just do my regular clients who have always been there for me, who are stable. And, you know, I just never let that get ahead of me. You know, I understand that it's great to work with these people. It's great to have in your resume, but they're not my end all be all. And I feel like my big thing is I'm successful because of these everyday people. And a lot of people tend to lose sight once you get famous or successful or whatever, they lose sight of that. And I always try to stay the same person that I have been along the years. And I think that people really resonate with that and they appreciate that. I love that because like you said, it's like you're building a relationship with those people that's come in consistently over and over. And, you know, that's what's so important. I think building relationships with your clients and who you work with is the most ideal thing. Even after the pandemic, when I opened up in June, it was not easy for people to come in. But I got to tell you, I had a balcony and I was working out of the balcony, but the support that I had along the way, it was not an easy risk for people to take, but they know that I was there for them over the years and they wanted to support me and make sure that everything stays well. And thanks to them, I made it through everything and, you know, it's just going to get better from here. So I think that modesty and just keeping yourself grounded is so important. Even if you make it, I think stay the same person. Yeah. Yeah. And then anytime someone says um, retirement, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I will never I'll fully retire because I love what I do. And for me, it's more of a passion. So I'll kind of take more vacations, but I honestly would never say I'll just step away from it completely. Even if I could, I wouldn't. I'll do it less, but I'll definitely still stay in it because I just enjoy it. You meet amazing people and I'm lucky enough where I get to work with my daughters and my niece and you just kind of built whatever you want. And that's entrepreneurship. Like I think that Albanians, especially, I know a lot of them own restaurants and own different, you know, construction and beauty. And I just say, push yourself forward. There's so much opportunity out there and there's nothing like it. So your daughters and your niece, so they've been starting to work with you. Were they really into what you were doing as a young age as well? Well, they've been around it always. And they knew like the shape, even my sons, they left, they're like, oh, that girl doesn't have such great brows or this, you know, they'll notice it because that's always been a conversation. So it's been around. The thing is about seven years ago, Fadil Barisha, you know, the famous photographer, which was so sweet, we shared this space. And when he said, I'm going to get a bigger place, this space opened up and he's like, do you want it? And I said, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like ginormous if you look behind me. So I was bluffing because I didn't think I would ever train anyone because I'm so protective of my name. And I included my niece, who's my daughter's best friend. And I said to them three, even though um, my daughter's still getting her PhD, my other daughter graduated from NYU and the other one with college. And I always suspected that they were going to get like an office job or something corporate. And uh, I texted all three of them in a group chat. And I said, so are you going to help me with the family business or am I going to have to train people? And I was totally bluffing. And within two minutes, they all said, let's do it. And I was like, oh my God. So I had my sons bring in all their friends from school, girls and guys. And I had them sit in the chair and I just watched. And I, I'm like really tough. Like this is my name and my reputation. So it was a few months of training them. And seven months later, They've been written in Best of Magazine, and they're exactly where I wished and dreamed they would be. And as a matter of fact, my daughter Val just expanded to Scarsdale, where she lives up in the suburbs as of last week. She has two kids, so it's just the perfect move. She'll still work part time, but I think it was just perfect timing with everything. The pandemic threw us some lemons, and we just decided to kind of 
make some good lemonade and just figure out the next step in our business. So for a lot of restaurants, a lot of people who are struggling right now, take it and figure out how you're going to make it and turn it around. And there are ways to do so. Yeah. And it's nice that you kept it into the family because like you said, it's like your name. And now it's kind of like you're bringing your family, your daughters and your niece into it. So I love that family connection of business, my my opinion. Like I, I love keeping it in the family. Also, I don't know. I'm pretty tough when I was training them. I couldn't imagine training other people because I was like, guys, this is someone's face. I remember before they even did the friends, I said, all right, all three of you come to your brows. They got their license, which entails nothing. They don't teach you anything on brows. And I was like, all the three of you do each other's brows. Do you know the next morning? So they fill them in and they look good on the surface. The next morning, I got a separate text from all three of them saying, she overdid the tail. And I was like, good. Now you know what it feels like if you butcher someone's brows. So this is what we're going to do. And then the boot camp started. And I just think that it's tough love, but that's how you train yourself because when you're touching someone's face, it's like every hair makes such a statement. And I want to make sure that nobody will ever leave here sad or unsatisfied. So it all comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You have to be like that. And what is like your technique? Like kind of go over what is your go-to technique with brows? When someone first walks in, the most important thing is to show them where we're going. I feel like it's a partnership. I don't just turn around and like do whatever I need to do and then show them the end result. I kind of show them where we're headed. So it takes six months here to grow them in, no creams. And um, then I take the tweezers and I start to shape them. I will stop short of like where maybe we want to be and kind of reassure them, make sure that they're okay with it. And then I'll ask them, do you want a little more of an arch? And I feel like with tweezing, it gives you that choice with the arch. Some people like higher, some people like lower, but it's better to start a little fuller until somebody says, okay, this is good. And then the pencil that I created, I'm really proud of because when I worked at Bergdorf Goodman, all the companies, any company would give me brow pencils and I was not happy with any of them. So I decided to create my own. And luckily it's been a fan favorite. So I show them how to fill them in as we're growing them in. So they look perfect on the surface and clients absolutely love it because it's going to take a little while and a little patience to get them to a perfect place. It's just been great because they trust you and People have asked along the way, you know, are you going to introduce any other facials or nails? And I'm like, nope, just browse because you know what you get. Better to stick to one thing and make it really great. People come and go, no questions asked. It's simple and it works. And I like that you use tweezers because my personal thing, I have never gotten a wax. Well, I think I might have done it like when I was like 18 and that was the first and last time. And I only tweeze. And when I tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just tweeze my eyebrows, like my friends, they'll be like, oh, my God, like, why? Like, why don't you? I'm like, because I could control the tweeze. Anytime that you pull the wax, you're actually pulling on your skin. This is the most delicate skin in your body. You don't want it to sag later. Plus, wherever the wax falls, that's your shape. So there are so many reasons why wax is not good. And then there's threading and threading breaks the hairs. It's not accurate because it pulls a lot of hairs. And then you wind up getting ingrowns and that is a whole nother problem you're going to face. Um, microblading is killing me because I'm like, I was about to things? ask you about microblading. Cause I'm like, that's a really big thing uh, right now. I'm like, you went from having this amazing, gorgeous brows to now getting into this microblading. So microblading has been around for years. It was called tattoo. They gave it a fancy name. Okay. 
And what happens with microblading over the years is number one, first of all, getting them in the right place is almost impossible. Number two, it turns purplish blue, like a bruise or pink, and you're stuck with it the rest of your life. Number three, you're always going to have money. And the most important thing is as gravity hits and later on in life, as your brow starts to sink, you can't lift them. Like with tweezers, I could actually reshape and lift your brows accordingly as you get older. But this microblading is locking you in to a shape. And as gravity hits, you're always going to have these lower brows that are stuck on you that are blue. And that's a big problem. So I just don't think people are thinking it through. There are so many reasons why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And also they look harsh, how light someone goes, but when you keep getting it done, it gets darker and darker and darker. Please do not do the microblading. If it made sense, me with my scar, I'd be the first one to get it done or do it to people. Like I can really make a lot of money off microblading. And because I'm not doing it, you have to question why. Mm. Yeah. And, and does it also like kind of affect the new growth? So like if you're well, like cutting into it, isn't it going to like kind of reduce your natural growth a little bit as well? And I don't think a lot of people realize the key to getting your brows fuller is don't get any creams, lotions, moisturizer, foundation, sunscreen on or around the brows ever. Think about it. Skincare. Would you ever put all this skincare into your scalp? Mm. Now we're slathering it and treating it over the brows and your brows start to fall out or they don't grow back. So, you know, this is why people aren't getting their brows back or they're falling out and then they feel the need to get the microblading. So rather than jump to microblading, give yourself a good year of not getting any product and you're going to see your brows come in full. So there's an option is just let your hairs breathe so that you can get them fuller naturally. Mm. I never thought of that. When I do my eyebrows, I don't put any foundation on it, but I always put cream or sunscreen. No, that's why your brows might be thinner, lighter. I mean, like I said, treat it like your hair follicle. You would never put shampoo onto your skin and you would never put skin stuff into your scalp. So you need to separate those and you need to preserve your brows. And that's the first thing I tell my clients. And it's crazy within two or three visits when they start seeing their hairs grow back. You never put eye cream in their studied skin. So that's like for people that want to grow back their brows, that's like number one rule. And brow gel. Brow gel is the worst thing on the planet. Oh no. <laughs> Kills your brows. Nothing makes them fall out like a brow gel. Uh-oh. So I could sell them to every single client that comes in, but I wouldn't be in business if people are losing hairs and not gaining them. Even so like about, the soap? Um, No, don't because um, you're actually just destroying your brows and your brows shed from the inside. That's when you start seeing lighter hairs. That's good to know because I'm going to try to do that as well. Cause I've been trying to grow out my brows since the pandemic hit like last year, I was like not touching my eyebrows. It's just going to go full force. And I just tweezing like little um, parts here, but that's about it. So, magnifier here either. No yeah, magnifier. No, no see too much. And that's why one hair leads to another leads to another. And before you know it, you're overdone. So you're just, your problem is get rid of the creams, no more creams, no more gel, get rid of the mirror and you'll see the magic happen. Yeah. Oh, man. I w- I've been using the gels a lot more lately because I see it on Instagram. You know, I see the makeup artists like doing the little eyebrows, sticking it up. And yeah, it's like, super. I, mean, I don't yeah, know. That's my heart breaks with Instagram. I feel like you can't believe a lot of that. And I just think that people are getting sucked into that world. Less is more when it comes with your brows and you need them the rest of your life. And you have to be more fragile with them. And I think we're treating them horribly. So less is more, just leave them alone. Very little. The pencil that I created is um, 
soft powdery texture so it stays above the skin and it comes off by the end of the day it wears off on its own so no need to scrub through no need to clean it out it doesn't go on waxy people have actually asked me does the pencil make the hairs grow and i'm like nope it's just a matter of not getting stuff in there and that's what you're seeing mm. Mm. wow Ooh. that's really good because i never would have thought that whatever I'm putting on my brows is actually making them not grow. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And fall out. Don't and forget. Fall out. Yeah. Make some shed as well. Good lessons. I'm going to start you know, implementing how- some of these things and see how they come out. Cause I'm, I've been doing the gel a lot. So I'm going to have to ditch that like ASAP. Don't feel bad. That's garbage. And you won't need it. Once you start seeing your brows grow back, you won't even need it. Now, you know, the tips, Trust me, it'll work. It's amazing, but you have to hang in there. And when I say nothing, no sunscreen, I mean nothing. The foundation. Not even lotion, like face lotion. Not on the brows. Not on the brows. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. When my clients first come in and I mention the creams, I'm like easier said than done. And when they come back, they're like, I didn't realize how many layers of things I was getting on the brows subconsciously. And they said, once I stop, like by the third visit, you start seeing the hairs come back and it's amazing. They feel like, wow. And a year after they start coming, the brows are almost where we got them, if not there. I would have never thought, no one ever tells you that. Like no one has Mm -hmm. ever said that, (laughs) that I know of. A lot of these, um, I wouldn't say brow people, but a lot of these businesses just want to sell you product. So it's like more about selling you things than it is about honesty. And that's where I go back to, I haven't changed a thing about the way that I do brows from the day I started. It's like for the last 27 years, I've done it exactly the same. I just use tweezers, a pencil, a little trimming, and there you go. So, you know, people do trust that. Mm -hmm. So you've learned a lot over the years, you know, you've been doing this for so long. Do you have any regrets or lessons that you've learned in your process of getting to where you are now? Honestly, the regrets that I have, and I remember somebody say, I wish someone told me when the best time in your life is when it was happening. And I feel like I was always afraid to just take a deep breath. The regret is that I never really took a deep breath. And I just got to do this event. I just got to do this. And it was always like holding my breath because I'm afraid that if I put my guard down that, wow, is this true? So I feel like I wish I would have just taken it in and smiled more along the way and just been happier in the moment. Meanwhile, I'm always like, okay, good. This worked out. Now let me just not jinx, you know, and I feel like, I don't know if it's an Albanian thing, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I feel like I don't want to wake up one day and say, I just never really took it in to realize that this journey has been so amazing. And I feel so blessed with it. I'll always have that on paper, but I think that I missed the moment where I don't think enough people stop and think and say, wow, I'm really grateful. I am always grateful, but just to smile and just say, okay, I am so happy right now because you're so afraid of goal dropping or something. Mm -hmm. So that's the one regret that I have. And I think a lot of people feel that way, whether it's with your kids or your family, but even with the kids, with the family, I'm always on, you know, pins and needles. And my daughter just told me the other day, you forgot how to smile. And I'm like, I'm always just so nervous because I'm always worried about this, that. And I feel like I'm juggling a lot. And as far as the way that my journey in my life went, I wouldn't have asked for anything else. I was able to raise my kids first. And then my husband started working from home. And then I started my career. And I'm happy to have those times with my kids. Because as much as my business is great, my family is everything to me. And so I was able to have a good 50-50 balance between the two. And the way that things came about, 
I feel very lucky with. And I always say, start your career before kids or after kids, and you'll always have time either way. I feel like there's always time for the kids and there's always time for the career. When you could do it in between, but I feel like the best time is when you can give each one of those things your full attention. Yeah. It's hard though, trying to balance that life because you have your personal goals, your personal dreams that you want to choose. And then you also want to be a mom. You want to take care of your kids. And I find that a struggle personally because I I do work, you know, full time and I have two little ones. I'm going to say from someone that stayed at home as a mom, I think it's healthy to spend time away from them. Because when I was a stay-at-home mom, I took it for granted as well. Like I would put the TV on because I was like, oh, just keep yourself occupied while I'm just relaxing. But when you work and you come home, it's quality over quantity. And I always try to tell people, when you come home, you're gonna appreciate those kids so much more because you didn't see them all day. But when you're around them all day, I think that that's when parents drop the ball because you take it for granted a little bit. So that's good too. I feel like that's the other end of it. Just enjoy them. And the time that you have, it's always quality over quantity. I promise that. When I start working, even though my kids were little, I still appreciate them more than when I was home with them 24 seven. So it's that type of thing, you know, don't feel guilty about it. I think you just got to make it work and everyone has their own story, but still follow your dreams because when your kids do get older, you're going to need something for yourself. So I think a lot of people make their life about their kids, start thinking, start looking. I don't care if you're 30. I don't care if you're 45. It's never too late to do something you love. Even if you start something from home while you're raising your kids, you don't have to get out there. And that's what I'm saying. You kind of see that there is opportunity. Entrepreneurship is like never been easier. It could be the smallest thing. It could be the biggest thing, you know, just an idea. One thing I want to say, I always laugh at the story. So when I did QVC and I remember going there and they invited me for the pencil, I was sitting next to a young guy and he had a paintbrush inside of a plastic container, just shaped like the paintbrush. And I look over at his paintbrush and I'm like, oh, the poor guy, they're going to grill him. What is that? That's like a joke, like a little kid's thing. And the lady walks in the host and as soon as she looks at him, she goes, oh, you were on TV. You're making millions off that. And I'm like, wait, what? And he just created a simple, like a wet paintbrush to put inside a plastic so that when you go back to painting, it stays moist. And he made millions off it. And it's something so simple. And I like felt embarrassed to myself. I'm like, wow, I guess you can't judge a book on its cover, but that's what I'm saying. It's like the simplest thing could lead to a lot. So I like to inspire our community, just move it, figure things out and just keep going. Yep. And I I agree with you how you were saying that entrepreneurship is like, this is the best time to be an entrepreneur. Because I think social media and being um, online, it makes it a little bit easier promoting yourself or showcasing yourself to Mm -hmm. a wide variety of people. Because before that, you had to have a store or a place or a storefront to really get your product out there. But now you can put it on the internet, you can put it on a website, and it's so much more accessible to so many more people. Do you and your daughters focus a lot on Instagram and the social media to market and all of that? That's an ongoing fight because I kind of post most of the pictures and the girls forget to because they're busy with school and they're busy with this. And I get mad. I'm like, that's your thing. You should know Instagram. I don't know anything about I'm a dinosaur. Like I would still take phone calls if I could. I'm not about that. 
but somebody has to post it. I mean, I'm lucky enough to be verified, but we could have grown the Instagram so much bigger. But to be honest with you, I'm not worried about that because the thing is a lot of it's fake. And I feel like people can buy followers and people can cheat. They can show you the best browse of the day. And that's not necessarily your work. So people are like, oh, put up brows. And I'm like, that to me doesn't mean anything. I feel like if I'm busy in person and I'm busy on the surface, it means a lot more than being busy on Instagram. And I think that that's messing with a lot of our youth's heads. They feel bad about themselves because they think everyone else is making it so much further. And everybody else has so many followers and so many likes. And it's really messing with our community. And you got to remember, people don't show the bad moments. They only show the best moments or they lie and they make it better than what it is. I've honestly tried to stay really honest. I don't like to brag. It's more about family and just like simple things. And I'll throw a bone once in a while. I could put a lot more content, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the reason why people feel bad about themselves. So we try to keep it very minimalist, but it's not about Instagram. And I don't love Instagram. I don't love Facebook. I think that they're not great for the youth, but you can't avoid it. You know, you can't. And I think it's important that you are trying to be more authentic and real because like you said, there are so many fake stuff out there and it's sad to see you get sucked into it really. Like I get sucked into it. You go and you're like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You see all these things and you're like, oh my God, like what am I doing with my life? What breaks my heart the most is I think Albanian women and the reputation on the street. Now I'm not just saying it is the Albanian women are the most beautiful in the world. No matter who comes in, I don't care what your cultures are like, oh my God, Albanian women, always so beautiful. And I would wish that they stop following the Kardashians and thinking that everything's got to be overblown. No offense. And I just feel like be yourself. You're beautiful no matter what. We already have that natural beauty. And I'm all about stop following what you see on Instagram, be a greatest version of yourself just stay unnatural. I get upset about that because there's so many great things about our culture and the beauty of it. I don't want to get sucked in and mix different things. I feel like that's what's kept us afloat all these years, just the the pure things about us, like the beauty and the culture and the natural version. It used to be shameful to get plastic surgery and now it's the coolest thing in the world. And I'm like, since when did this happen? You know, I'm going to go get lipstick. And I'm like, Guys, you're beautiful and you're already ahead of the game because Albanian women are naturally beautiful. Less is more and just stick to it and just be yourself. And I don't know, that's just me. Maybe I'm a little fashioned and I'm like, don't get sucked into that world. Just natural, just tone it down and just be yourself. Don't try to look like anyone else. Look like yourself and be the best version of yourself. Yes. My daughters know, like they get sucked into it. They look and they're like, oh my God, look, they got this done. And look how beautiful. And I was like, touch your face. And I promise you're not going to work here anymore. Because when you need it and you're over 45, that's one thing. But until then, just enjoy it. You don't need it. Enjoy being yourself. It's sad when you see like 18 year olds injecting themselves with fillers and Botox and all this. I'm like, you're 18. You got to look like you're a young little kid. Don't try to look like you're 35 or 40 over here. Then later on, we don't even know the effects it's going to have. So I'm like, please, I studied skin. Skin is elastic. Less is more. And just embrace the beauty, the skin, the brows, the features. I love whenever I see a beautiful, natural looking girl. You don't have to look perfect, but you just look like yourself and fresh and clean. It's beautiful. 
and we need, we should go back to basics. I would love it. Yes. I'm all for that. Cause I'm the most basic person you're ever going to meet. I'm just so plain and simple. And I'm like, maybe I need to step on my game, but I just like natural, yeah. simple stuff. Yeah. We got to be like that. We got, we have to show the young people that like, it's okay to be natural. It's okay to just be yourself and be authentic. It's important. Any projects or new products? One is a brow shampoo. Uh, there, no one's ever created a brow shampoo. And there is residue. People have flaky skin and also residue from built up from pencils. But this is made strictly for brows. It's not for the scalp. And we're really excited about it. And then a powder for people. It's a primer. And you put this silk powder that's made with castor bean powder instead of oil. And it just absorbs the oils. And when you put the pencil on, it holds. And it's great for oily skin as well. But it's very, very healthy for the brow area. So we're excited about that. Thank you so much, Sania, for taking the time to sit with me. I really appreciate you. And my love to all the Albanians out there. And I hope I get to meet many of you and stop by the salon when you're in New York. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to the channel on Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to check me out on Instagram at Bota Podcasts. That's where I put some extra clips and footage and information about the guests and about me and the podcast and so much more. Check out Sania at Sania's Brow Bar on Instagram and check her salon in New York. I'm sure that many of you already have if you are in that area. So uh, yeah, thanks so much and catch you next time. Bye.